1: From the land of the free and
0: the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked on Chiefs on your trade deadline Tuesday. It's going to be an interesting show. We have a great one for you. We're brought to you by Pepsi because thanks to lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, less than 1% of 1% of 1% of people ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, Pepsi's there to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi, the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching, and you can see more at madeforfootballwatching.com. Lot to go over here, a little bit of news up front, and then we have to get into where the Chiefs are as they are sliding towards the buy that I think they actually could use to, to some good effect at this point. I'm your founder at Rogue Analytics, as well as your host at RGR Football, Ryan Tracy.
2: And I'm Chris Clark. Thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it and hope you made it out to go vote. Let's go ahead and jump into this trade really quick. Kansas City did trade, make a trade. It is not a trade that everybody was expecting, although I think it was a really good deal for them. They traded away DeAndre Washington for a sixth round pick, and they did send a seventh rounder to the Miami Dolphins to take him.
0: Yeah, a little, little incentive, right? So uh, you end up solving your problem of a fifth running back that was going to either have to go back down or or sign elsewhere or that kind of thing. And you managed to move up an entire round. And quite frankly, with the team that you traded with moving from the Chiefs seventh all the way up to the Dolphins sixth, that's quite a leap. It's
2: almost two rounds. Yeah, it could be almost two rounds, although I think the Dolphins are going to be better than than some people thought they were going to be. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be as huge of a jump. Uh, But, yeah, it's it's a large jump, at least in the one round. And it could be uh, pretty large. It could almost be two rounds, depending on how the Dolphins season ends up shaking out. Uh, I do think Kansas City is going to be picking in the 30s again this year.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I I have to say, with the back and the fourth, and having everybody on the active roster, you had to feel that. This was, I thought, was going to be kind of a throw-in if they were trying to do something at a position that, that maybe they need a little more immediate help with. But uh, to just be able to move up, I think that's it's a solid move at what was a pretty quiet trade deadline or across the league.
2: Yeah, it really was. And a lot of guys were talked about being moved, but nobody ended up going. So you have to think that uh, asking price was just too high. And the one player that I thought was going to get moved that made a lot of sense to me was the Texans and Will Fuller. Possibly going to Green Bay, it did not happen. Obviously, at this point, so uh, he is going to be in with the Texans organization the rest of the year. Uh, and Green Bay, honestly, you know, you look at that team, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit talking about the playoffs and the Super Bowl. If I say this, but that is one place where I think Green Bay has really done a disservice to their team and to Aaron Rodgers. They do not have the skill position players to put around him that they really should.
0: You know, I I have to agree with you. Uh, Give him credit for what he's done with what he has, but I think Lazard is still on IR. I think that, uh, you know, a a number of guys are out with Coded, more in the running game than the passing game, but still. Like, you would have thought that this would have been something that they could have gotten done. Um, I thought there was even an outside possibility that maybe somebody lower down on the Chiefs depth chart might have interested them as well, but uh, alas, nothing happens with any of that, and, and nothing happened with Stephon Gilmore, who a lot of Chiefs fans were looking forward to seeing move.
2: Yeah, and honestly, I couldn't imagine Gilmore being traded mainly because I think the compensation would be high for one. And two, he has come out or it it sounds like it's being leaked that he thinks he's underpaid. And if that's truly the case, then the incentive to move for him is really kind of gone.
0: And he's over that magic number of 30. That's really what changes it for the outlook of teams looking to acquire somebody that they can't have a locked-in contract for two or three seasons. You know what I mean? This is definitely a a rent-to-own kind of situation because you're going to have to pay up.
2: Absolutely, and that's definitely something that Kansas City can't afford to do at this point. So they're going to have their own guys that they need to get taken care of next year. Uh, since we're talking about trades really quick, somebody did ask, and I want to throw this out there, according to Over the Cap right now, Kansas City is probably slated to get two additional fifth round picks that are compensatory picks next year. So that could actually be very beneficial for Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and fodder for moving around. I'm intrigued to see what happens with that. And one last note here on Tuesday as everything's going down. It did come out also that uh, within the division, uh, some executives out there in Denver, uh, Joe Ellis and John Elway, both came down with COVID-19.
2: Yeah, and we wish uh, the best of health to both of those guys and that they recover and they recover quickly, but uh, that's not going to be something that you really want to see uh, your executives come down with. So hopefully they're able to get that figured out. But the bigger COVID issue, and we kind of talked about this yesterday, seven players now are not eligible to play for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. uh, Six of them could be back. Marlon Humphrey will not be playing, but six of the other players could be back. And with the Packers, Looks like Jamal Williams and there was another player, A.J. Dillon, uh, they're going to be out. uh, So it's possible they'll be without their starting three running backs. And no new wide receivers. So um, Aaron
0: Devontae, do what you can do. It's going to be. And they play on Thursday. So Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. That's a tall order. And there are a number of them going around the league. I'm going to get with Matt Derrick here on the backside of this and go over some of the questions about what the Chiefs are doing moving forward. This football season would be different, and Pepsi's ready to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I'll be watching at home on the satellite like every year, but it is definitely a strange season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com and check out the latest football watching content for Pepsi.
3: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you guys are completely used to it by now because it's Wednesday. And that means whether you like to hear me or not, you get to hear Matt Derek from Chiefs Digest. How are you, Matt?
1: I am doing great. I am here to ruin
0: everybody's Wednesday. Oh, but there's nothing to ruin. Everything is happy-go-lucky. Uh, and we are recording this Tuesday afternoon, folks, so no no foreshadowing, nothing, nothing too obscure, but... Um, it's been um, actually a more eventful day for the Kansas City Chiefs than I expected it to be. Um, I was interested to see if they were, you know, what calls were they making? What calls were they taking? And they ended up getting one thing done and that is, uh, saying goodbye to DeAndre Washington for a pick swap. Um, did you see that one coming in particular?
1: Um, I didn't see it coming, but if the Chiefs were going to make a move, this was the kind of move that I thought was possible. Um, you know, and running back is absolutely the position they've got depth there now with the addition of Levy and Bell. Um, they've been carrying an extra running back since Anthony Sherman went on the COVID list. So, um, this was a luxury, and you know, and one of the other DeAndre Washington, Darwin Thompson was not going to. Be seeing much playing time for the rest of the season, so you are you are dealing from a position of depth. But you know, yeah, it's a, it's who knows what's going to happen. I mean, it's a swap from seven to six. Which hey, if that's what you get for eight day, weeks of DeAndre Washington, that's a good deal. I mean, because it's all you know he's under contract for, um, but it's also conditional. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't if he doesn't do anything with the Dolphins, it might mean Chiefs are still in the seventh. So not too exciting, but yeah, I mean, if the, if the Chiefs were going to do a deal, this is the only thing I didn't think that they would be bringing anybody in. But this is the kind of deal that made sense.
0: Yeah, clearly, um, Bill Belichick rejected my offer on behalf of the Chiefs for Travis Warden and a cheeseburger for Stefan Gilmore. Um, Gilmore goes nowhere, um, and it, it it doesn't come to pass. You're right. This is like the the lower end thing that you think they can get value of, um, and the conditionality. I I didn't see the terms of what those conditions are. Um, so I'm going to stay on the positive side because if it does work out, I mean, you're talking about at least in where they fall in the draft order. This could be moving up, what, 40 to 50 picks for the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I mean, because certainly the Chiefs are going to be late part of the the, the real seventh without any comp, compensatory picks. Um, and dog, clearly the Dolphins are going to be top half most likely of the sixth round. So that's a pretty good move. And that's the that can be, hey, you know what, Rashad Fenton, sixth round pick. I mean, that's what you could be getting in a deal like this.
0: And and I'm glad that you bring him up because he's been the success story. Uh, you know, as much as, as folks don't really mourn the departure of Zach Fulton, he and LDT were late round picks on day three as well. Like They've gotten success out of those picks. And so you never know. Uh, maybe we'll see Bo Peakeese. He's been playing a couple of snaps. You know, I, I think that's never really going to be a year one kind of deal. But if you can continue to turn those into guys that you can develop, that's good value right there. And so more power to Brett Veach even though it doesn't have any fireworks with it.
1: Yeah, I mean to me it's draft capital. And that's what they were able to get. I mean, if you're able to pick up draft capital for what is essentially, you know, your fifth fifth running back, that's a that's a that's a plus deal. I mean, that's and that's what and that's what Brett Veach does. I mean, he he tries to mine little tiny deals like this for value. And that's why you love him as a GM. Yeah, I can, I can get down with that. I, I try not to
0: use the L word that often, but hey. <laughs> I'm assuming you all love him as a GM. Oh I don't all. know. You know, somebody somebody's got to because one thing that he's done beyond these these moves, these mazes, he's built an organization that is capable of taking care of itself. And right now, that's a hard thing to find in the NFL. Uh, yes, Sherman's out there. I'm a little concerned about Anthony's health because this has been quite a while on that list. But there are other teams with multiple issues with COVID as we see cases grow across the country. It's certainly not foreign to the NFL
1: no and you know and that's just the frightening thing and I know you know not everybody wants to talk about this and you know in relation to the game and pr- rather focus on what's going on in the field, but the reality is we're probably heading into a period of time where this is gonna to be a bigger bigger issue. I mean you're seeing a lot of cases around the NFL this week um I don't know that we can really say that anything's in danger for this Sunday, but There's enough activity going around that I think it has to be on the back of your mind. And you're just looking at the larger world, too. I mean, it's going to creep into the NFL. And the fact that the NFL is talking about alternative playoff formats is enough of an indication that the league is concerned that they're not going to be able to get in all 16 games for all 32 teams this year.
0: Yeah. In the next segment, we're going to go through that in detail because there's a lot of little things about those scenarios. In terms of keeping the Chiefs safe for what they have to face right now, there's no problems in Carolina, and that game is coming up. They haven't had any positive tests for the Jets, so you, you feel like they've gotten clear of that game in a positive way. Um Chiefs haven't had any additional injuries today. That that hard hit that Tyreek Hill took, uh, we haven't heard any explanation of, of anything lingering for him. Haven't heard of anybody else. It looks like the Chiefs, in, in terms of getting healthy, there's still Alex for and Sammy Watkins and Mitch Schwartz, as of what they did last Sunday, they haven't sustained any other injuries, and they look like they're getting healthier overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the only two things coming out of that game on Sunday was were concerns about maybe McCole Hardman and Tyree Kill with a couple of the hits that they took. Um, but no, the indications are there's, there's nothing there, nothing to be concerned about. And you know what? I mean, the Chiefs have been kind of been looking at this stretch, I mean, particularly with Mitchell Schwartz and Sammy Watkins. Is just an opportunity to get those guys healthy, and there's a few other guys, you know, that fit in that category too. They're not, they're not really rushing anybody back, um, but you know, you've got back Michael Mike Dana now. You've had Colin Saunders, even though he was inactive on Sunday, and we'll find out later on Wednesday if there's anything medically to that, or it was just a numbers game with with Saunders and to give him additional rest with that elbow. Um, but they're starting to get that defensive line help back, and that's 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 been key because they've been really challenge depth wise there the last couple of weeks but you know all in all i mean yeah this is a relatively healthy group you know one week out from the bye week which is when you hope to get even healthier
0: yeah i I mean that was kind of the magic point last well i guess the magic was really the mexico city trip last season but prior to that getting healthy helps and i think the rotation of defensive end is obviously enhanced by this and for a guy like alex okafor who Still got right back in the lineup when he did return, as we thought, preseason. Um, it looks like they've got enough of a rotation patch together that if this becomes either a permanent injury for him this season or certainly afterwards, where I don't expect him really to return, that they have the youth, I think, now to absorb that loss and move forward.
1: Yeah, they really do. I mean, and and they have they had the numbers to begin with. I mean, this was a position that even going back to training camp. We talked about this being maybe one of the deepest position groups that the Chiefs have. And they were able to sustain a handful of injuries. I mean, Okafor, Dana, uh, you know, some uh, Charlton have missed time. Uh, you know, and, and they don't really at any point feel like that the depth on this team was really significantly, at least from a quality standpoint. I mean, it was tough maybe at times finding enough, you know, players to go around for all the snaps that you needed. But as far as production goes, they haven't seen any drop off. And I think that's been key to the whole thing and is one of the indicators of the depth of this team up front is that you haven't seen a huge drop off when they've been out with some guys.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's key. And you get some pleasant surprises like to Sean Warden. I mean, of all the things that you can point at Veach doing a good job of it and, and credit to the guys who have had to go out and find them. Uh, the, the scouting staff itself has found quite a number of gems over the last few years, but guys that, uh really? Outside of of Ceh, is probably the biggest contributor to this roster as a rookie.
1: Yeah, and and Warden's a really interesting one because you know he was a smaller school guy that you know if if he doesn't shine at the at the Shrine Bowl, um, you know, coming off his his last season college, probably doesn't make the impact. But you know he he did. He had a great performance there that really impressed the Chiefs, and then came in and hit the ground running. I mean, and and I was certainly one of those those that thought he was certainly a long shot to make the roster. And he was, but he he proved it. I mean, and the fact that he was able to hold his own with this team during the offseason, especially compared to someone like a Colin Saunders, who to me last year was a really nice story. But, you know, Saunders you know, had to really kind of be worked into the rotation. And it wasn't until injuries kind of forced him in that he really had to kind of step up. And even then, you know, he, he there was some adjustment period for him. Wharton doesn't look like he's had any adjustment period. I mean, he's kind of hit the ground running. I mean, he's he's been forced in there with the injuries, but there wasn't any having to back him off at anything at this point. He's been earning more and more time, and you know, and I, I you know, I was really impressed by that the sack that he had on Sunday because mm-hmm. there was two things about it. One is that he was just absolutely getting ready to pile drive from Sam Darnold into the ground, which is exactly what you want to see from you guys up front. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that live, I mean, that's what I was like. That was OK. That was a vicious sack. That was a big, you know, big time play. But then you, you see it from the other angle on the all 22. And you see the when the whistle blows, he lets up mm-hmm. and he does. Because if he had just gone ahead and thrown Sam Darnold to the ground, he probably gets flat. That's a yeah. veteran play of hearing the whistle and, you know, realizing, you know what? You, you got to let up here and because he, he lets him go. And that was it. Was not only a great play, but it was just a you know savvy veteran move because we don't see everybody do that. Hope you're listening. Breland
0: speaks uh, on the backside of this one, folks. We're going to get into those scenarios. What uh, Wharton's going to help them do? Built Bar is back along with Built Go and has some great new things for you to try. Some of them are flavors. Some of them are new mixtures, new concepts, and what. Built does so. Check out Built Bar, Built Go, and the whole nine yards. My personal favorite still remains that uh caramel brownie, and uh, I like that coconut one as well.
2: Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy, loser, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Go check out the peanut butter. It has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. It is absolutely delicious, in my opinion. Go to Billbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at billbar.com
3: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So you alluded to it in the last segment. I really want to follow up on this because we've seen all the contribution up to this point with those rookies like Warden and and Snead Early and and CEH. They're getting to the point where they're again in that race for the top seed. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing very well as well. And I do think that that's going to come down to kind of a race between them. But as we sit here right now today, there's only one buy. That might not be the same case here in a couple of days, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's yeah, the league is talking about, you know, if they can't get all 16 games in for all 32 teams, that they would add a playoff team, a wildcard team in each conference. And yeah, that would really hurt the Chiefs to a degree. I mean, especially if they end up as the number one seed, because that was, you know, you were hoping and thinking that if you get the number one seed, you get a bye week. Well, now you don't. And, you know, right now, if the Chiefs, and the Chiefs don't have number one seed, right now the Pittsburgh Steelers do, they've got the driver's seat for it. Um, but you know, if the Chiefs did get that number one seed, you know, and now that's something uh, they have to play, right now, based on the standings, it would be the Las Vegas Raiders coming to Arrowhead for that first game. And yeah, I like the Chiefs' chances, and I think the revenge game would would certainly work out well for them, but you know, still I mean, you'd rather not have to play that game. And and we'll see. I mean, i I, I think there's a definite concern that it's it could sooner than later become an absolute guaranteed reality. Um, because there are some teams already that it looks like they're going to have a hard time trying to figure out how to make up some games, and you know what? It only may be a handful of teams, but if that's the case, you know the the NFL is, has zero interest in trying to add weeks onto the end of the season. I mean, they want to get through this thing and get done. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know. Uh, I, as of now, my understanding is that they've still got the the week in between the end of the end of the playoffs in each conference and the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised to see that thing go away. Because I think they just want to get to the end of the season as quickly as they possibly can. And, yeah, I mean, and especially if any more teams miss any games over the next couple of weeks, this will be a, become a guaranteed reality.
0: Yeah, and, and it's got to. You see um, a big number of guys in Baltimore in this conference that are, are ailing. They're going to miss an entire backfield in Green Bay on the other side of the bracket. Uh, if this gets a little bit further out of control, you're going to have teams that aren't going to be able to play not only that week, but probably the following week as well. And that just runs you straight out of time.
1: And then that's something that we haven't really experienced yet. I mean, we've seen the NFL pushing back games based on on some positive tests and some issues in, in places. But, you know, yeah, I mean, could we reach a point where you have a team that maybe the, the NFL thinks that they could play, but they don't have any running backs? They don't have any quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, their wide receiver room is wiped out. I mean, it just needs one of those position groups, you know, for the NFL that I think then say, OK, well, you know what? This is a competitive issue. We're not going to put the team in a position to play where they're they're just they're down that much. And, you know, it's not something that a lot of position groups you can just bring up from the practice squad. And it, chances are, too, that if it's a, if it's a position group with contact tracing that's been wiped out, practice squads gonna be wiped out, too. There's just going to be no solution there. So that's the concern, especially, I think, with the issues popping up this week with some of the close contact issues that we're seeing is that there's some definite concerns that, you know, you could have that happen. And, and we are now, now that we're getting towards the end of the buys, any games that are canceled, they're not going to be made up. Well, and like you said, teams have already had their chance they they
0: don't have the slack to make that up. And that really turns it into the playoff uh, down the road is going to be important, but how they adapt. And it makes the fact that the chiefs have one of the later buys, that much more important. And so it brings me to my question to you. They've done a good job. They've had a couple of cases, but they've dealt with them. They've sequestered them. They haven't spread throughout the team. That's different on a bye week when normally you see rosters scattered to the winds. How do they try to manage that and keep everybody tight and under control and in protocols so that they don't deal with this down the stretch that is even more important for the chiefs than, than the average team.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is where the the personal accountability is absolutely going to come into play Um, because it's it's not. I mean, you know, the teams can't just lay down the law and say, hey, you know what? It's your bye week. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. Um, You can't do that. And I think, you know, the Chiefs, I think, are in a unique position because, you know what, they've got obviously they've got some young guys. And, you know, the young guys are the ones that the league are most concerned about. Maybe they just don't have the veteran maturity and everything to know what they got to do. Uh, but this chiefs team has that kind of leadership and responsibility that's baked in. So I think that that's kind of filtering down to the young guys. You know what? And yeah, the chiefs haven't seemed to have had a lot of problems. Um, They've only had one positive test on the team that we know of. And, you know, and I, I think that part of that has been that they've done a really good job and you have to give them credit for, you know, doing, using their protocols, following them and the players having personal accountability away from the facility. And that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, the bye week. You're right. I mean, it's going to be critical. Um, they they can Nobody can let their guard down. They they can't go off and for one second because yeah, you you do that and things go haywire. And and I don't. I think that's going to be the message of this team is that they don't want that to happen because this. They know where they're at. They know that this is a, another championship possible season. And if they they don't keep up that personal response responsibility and accountability, run it back ain't going to happen. Yeah,
0: and that they have to stay diligent, and that means every week getting things done. I wanna, I wanna ask you one more thing because as we start to look forward, it's great to talk about the bye week. I'm sure we'll talk during the bye week. And we'll go through all kinds of scenarios because you know what else do you do during a bye week, folks? Um, but for right now, they still the game in front of them against a team that I actually picked to win last week and nearly did. And I just want to get a, a quick idea of what your take on the Panthers is. The roster they might get McCaffrey back, new coach, young team. A lot of change going there. I thought the Chiefs did a very good job not letting themselves lose, let their guard down, and let a bad Jets team get too close. Can they do that again with these Panthers? I,
1: mean, I think they can. I mean, there's nothing about the Panthers that really scares you other than McCaffrey coming back as a wild guard. Um, I think the the bigger danger with McCaffrey coming back is that it just lets the, the Panthers try and copy the blueprint that some other teams have done of late against the Chiefs, which is that you try to hold on to the ball. You limit the number of possessions the Chiefs can get and, and try to hope that you can get lucky on the possessions that you have and score. Um, Mike Davis has done really well. I mean, it's not like they've been traveling trouble moving the football, mm-hmm. um, but Christian McCaffrey's a different cat. So, I mean, he, he would bring something different. And you know what? Two of those guys together might end up making a really good you know, team over the last half of the season. Um, Bridgewater hasn't been spectacular. But he hasn't been a disaster either. I mean, he controls the football. He hasn't been turning it over. Um, They've been reasonably solid. I think that, you know, from the Chiefs standpoint, I think what they're hoping for and what you'd like to see if you're a Chiefs fan is that the Panthers decide to play the same strategy that other teams have had of late other than the New York Jets, (laughs) which is you try to take away the passing game. You try and keep away the deep ball. You try and stop Patrick Mahomes. And if they do that, Panthers have a really bad run defense. I mean, they've they've been giving up a lot of yards, and they can be beaten on the ground. And if they're going to let Clyde edwards Toler and Le'Veon Bell beat them, they need to beat them. And And I think they can. So if they deploy that strategy, I think it still favors the Chiefs. But it's going to be, you know, is it going to be another these contest where Kansas City has eight or nine possessions? If, and if that's the case, they're going to have to score on four or five of them, and they're going to have to make sure that they don't give up any chunk plays, and they they don't let Christian McCaffrey run crazy.
0: Yeah, and he's, he's certainly the guy at the middle of there. And when Andy Reid is telling you, yeah, we had some interest in him. We liked what we saw him coming out. I mean, that tells you what kind of respect for what his game has become um, and honestly what it was at the time. So um, I will not ask you for a prediction as of yet because we'll, we'll have to find out about that particular player. But thanks for all the time today. Absolutely, Ryan. Always fun hanging out with you. Folks, check out Chiefs Digest for all the information that you need. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you then. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.